Hi, I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and thanks for joining me here today on The Communication Architect. Each week, we'll share content that will empower you to grow your personal leadership capacity through the development of communication competencies that build emotional health and relational resilience. We'll unpack some practical applications of interpersonal, intrapersonal, family, and organizational communication. And we'll connect with stories of transformation that will inspire you to achieve personal and social change. Now, let's build the scaffolding you need to become a communication architect. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. If you're new to the show, we're in a season where we're unpacking American education. Be sure to scroll back for some tips on breaking free from the system, getting started on the parent-directed journey, some interviews with new and lifelong homeschoolers, and a whole lot of research that I hope will equip and inspire you for the road ahead. And I am so excited to see what's happening across San Diego County. Parents have seen with their own eyes the horrific agenda being played out in the schools, this grotesque reenactment of Aldous Huxley's Brave New World, and they've decided that they want no part. They're pulling out of schools in droves. Parents have waved goodbye to the big yellow prison bus and rescued their children from eight hours of indoctrination and incarceration in the government system. I am so proud of you, parents. This week, we're continuing our sobering analysis of the 10 toxic traits of the government school system. One parent told me yesterday that her district has canceled literature class in ninth and 10th grade. Why? Get ready for this. To replace it with a class called Identity and Relationships. If those topics don't raise a red flag for you, I hope today's toxic trait discussion will help us break off some of those blinders. You've already heard the dumbing down with the common core pieces, which we've talked about in the past. And please read John Taylor Gatto's book, Dumbing Us Down, to help you thread together just how long all of this has been happening. One of the most aggressive of the 10 toxic traits is what we're going to be talking about today, the attack on purity. And it's not just the teachers, of course, it's also the peers. A parent told me this week that her son is being mocked in school because he won't, quote, experiment with same-sex relationships. His peers called him double straight, which is apparently a terrible cut down. Not only is he standing up as a straight man, he won't cross over to their pressures under the thumb of a bully's oppression. As a professor in California for Over a decade, I saw the devastating effects of the aggressive, liberal sex ed propaganda in the public sector. And even though I was teaching mainly in the private sector, most of my students were products of California's public school environment. So these involved, caring professors would find ourselves trying to pick up the shards of students' lives after they'd been misinformed, misguided, maltreated by the public system. Remember, as we've talked about before, our worldviews are largely formed by 18. George Barna's got some great info on that. And we talked about a few episodes back how evangelizing to anyone under the age of 18 is illegal in China, why Hitler targeted 10 to 18-year-olds in his indoctrination programs. Listen, these are really important formative years that are going to set the trajectory for the rest of our lives and for the future of our nation. The next generation is hurting, anxious, lonely, desperate for the good news that they have value, that they're worth more than the objectification of their bodies. But instead of offering hope, the current system actually preys on those generational insecurities, dragging behavioral expectations expectations down to the lowest level. 
And it's not just in California. I hear it from parents all over the nation. In fact, a parent from Utah told me this week that she was leaving her 15-year post as a kindergarten teacher in public school in the state of Utah because she was being expected to agree with accepting and promoting transgenderism in five-year-olds. Take a deep breath. You know, in San Diego, parents can easily look up what's being taught in our district. The Sexual Health Education Program SHEP details are available at 3rs.org and sandiegounified.org slash SHEP. And if you're a parent who's placed your precious children in the public school's care, whether that's traditional or charter, as we've talked about before, it's important for you to notice the specific lesson plans for each grade. The elementary curriculum introduces 10 to 12-year-olds to ideas like bathing together as a measure for avoiding sexually transmitted disease, and the ninth grade study of biology, which should begin with classifications of kingdoms, zygotic life, the analysis and classification of of the different kingdoms of living things, the study of living things. Instead, it's riddled with aggressive lobbyist views on sexual identity. The first chapter is gender fluidity, biology, guys, biology. And we'll come back and talk later about, remember, the the idea, the second most common reason that Gen Zs don't believe in God is because they were taught the Bible and science contradict it's ironically very difficult to find any science in the science textbook in the public district, public school uh, system here in San Diego. And the teacher's guide for Shep says on page eight that, quote, rather than attempting to be, quote, values free, the curriculum conscientiously embraces a set of values that are widely accepted in our society. You can't make this stuff up, you guys. However, it remains to be seen whose values are being represented in this documentation. The California Family Family Council notes the school board and curricula should represent a, quote, spirit of inclusivity, inviting people of faith and cultures different from their own to participate in selecting an acceptable curriculum that respects all beliefs and is scientifically accurate. Well, we've never seen that happen in the last 50 years. We've been banging the same drum. Again, read Gatto's work. It's been happening for 100 years and nothing has changed. I was talking with a friend the other day and he said it's kind of like, where we get stuck in the Model T Ford instead of a Tesla. And we keep saying, let's just try to make the Model T Ford better instead of just jumping into the driver's seat of the Tesla. You know, we're trying to resurrect and and reform these ancient, aging, archaic systems that are broken beyond repair instead of being innovative and stepping out as we have done at Awaken Academy and Chula Vista Christian University. And, you know, we've seen it over and over. Scroll back to hear some of the previous interviews I've done with Dr. Brian Ray, some of his personal and statistical accounts over the last 40 years of the lack of responsivity from the public system. Where parents go down, they try to speak up, but they're pushed to either the last minute of the meeting or they're cut short or they're overlooked or ignored or stopped mid-sentence. The agenda is so pervasive and parents are clearly not the voices the school board is interested in catering to. Their unwillingness to listen to the arguments of parents, it's obviously it's a symptom of a bigger challenge. But it's one that's wreaking havoc on the next generation, and we cannot look the other way. There are some significant cause and effects of the hypersexual culture that's been calif- cultivated in the state of California. And we should be concerned as citizens and parents of this great state. The first challenge with this hypersexual culture is that the curriculum promotes promiscuity, not purity. Again, giving sixth sixth graders ideas about sexual activity that they shouldn't even be thinking about yet. 
The prevailing belief in most modern sex ed programs is that abstinence is not only unlikely, but that teens and young adults are virtually incapable of sexual purity. Think about it. In other words, they're no better than animals driven by instinctive behavior in this view. And with this viewpoint, we're obviously setting them up for mental failure before they even begin the race. Any good educator will tell you that expectations low expectations lead to underperformance. If we tell kids they're not capable of sexual purity as children, will they then be expected to be faithful to lifelong partnerships in adulthood? No, obviously not. Number two, though sexual education curricula propose to have a positive impact on sexually transmitted disease, this idea has not worked. Since 1964, you've heard me talking about the values clarification movement since it first hijacked the minds and morals of educators, planting its permissive seeds in the fertile soil of America's classroom. STD rates have not gone down, my friends. They have gone up. Values clarification prohibited education from a, quote, sectarian viewpoint that's still language you'll find on the Department of Education's website today, five decades later, promoting instead the religion of secular humanism and hedonism. What happened as a result of that? Well, let's look at the data. According to the CDC, 50% of all the new STDs in our country are contracted by the 15 to 25-year-old population. Did you hear that? Every day in the United States, 8,000 teens and young adults are diagnosed with a sexually transmitted disease, which they did not get from drinking at the public water fountain. That's 3 million new cases a year. Liberal sex ed programs, which abound all over the nation, have not reduced the STD rates in the students they serve. Instead, the rates continue to climb. Something is wrong, my friends. Number three, the current sex ed agenda is driven by a liberal powerhouse that promotes promiscuity, giving children as young as elementary school ideas that they were not even thinking about, most likely, unless they've been exposed to hypersexual media. And again, look up the links for specific details on these creative ideas, as I mentioned earlier this curricula that provides these ideas for elementary school children, promoting promiscuity, pornography, hypersexual lifestyles as normal choices open to all people, including first graders, second graders, third graders, sixth graders. Insane. This is insanity. These views are at odds with the Christian worldview. The Christian worldview is that believers treat one another as brothers and sisters in purity, 1 Timothy 5 says, to flee sexual immorality, 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, and even to avoid looking at someone we aren't married to in a lustful way, as Matthew 5.28 tells us. This current sex ed agenda has fallen far outside of these boundaries. Number five, the current sex ed culture omits the truth about the dangers of mental and physical damage stemming from multiple sexual encounters. First, again, it doesn't come from a drinking fountain, friends, right? Humans don't contract an STD from a mutually monogamous lifelong relationship. Look at how the body is designed. We contract an STD from using the body in a way it was not designed to be used with multiple partners. The curriculum overlooks the damage done to oxytocin, the bonding hormone, as kids move from one partner to another, on and on and on. Board-certified obstetricians, Drs. Bush and McElhaney have noted in their powerful book, Hooked, the brain science on how casual sex affects human development. If you haven't read it, please do. So powerful. But they tell us that overuse of this bonding hormone actually leads to an inability to bond over time. If we're not more proactive in protecting our children, this ongoing cultural atrophy of this neuropeptide may have tremendously negative impacts on future marriages and future families. 
And public schools should, by their very nature, represent the public view. That's why we keep interchanging that word with government systems, because the public is not driving this agenda. It's not representative of what parents want their kids to be learning. According to a 2018 study by Christianity Today, 80% of Americans believe in God. Now, that is shrinking, obviously, every year. The more kids we have in public school, the quicker that rate is shrinking. Seriously, sobering realities. And though we have differences in differences in denominational beliefs, most Americans believe that God has provided us with rules and guidelines for sexual behavior for our protection. But in America, Christians are marginalized, marginalized for our belief system. Christian schools are denied financial support from our collective tax dollars, even though students within these schools are just as much citizens of our state as those in public schools. The sixth toxic trait of hypersexual culture is this the public school culture in general promoting this excessively peer-driven environment where the voice of reason is decidedly deliberately absent like the boy I was telling you about whose whose peers are pressuring him to have uh, to have same-sex relationships the lack of parental governance in these systems where students spend eight hours a day with peers, then another two and three, two or three hours in sports or alone with homework, it creates this peer-driven environment that not only produces this kind of bullying, well, not kind of, this bullying behavior, but also limits their maturation. It limits their ceiling. If they're around 10-year-olds all day or 12-year-olds all day, they're limited by that ceiling of maturity. Doctors Nabor and Matei write that kids do not grow up to be responsible, respecting mature citizens in the tutelage of peers. They need adult intervention in order to grow and develop in a healthy, responsible way. This voice of reason has to preside over the hallways, the classrooms, the playgrounds, the places where our children are being raised and trained up. Remember Luke 640, the student when fully trained will become like the teacher. Number seven, the casual sex culture has had dramatic lifestyle effects on the youngest generations, which has resulted in skyrocketing rates of cohabitation, which is living together in an appearance of marriage and a sexual relationship without being in the covenant of marriage, cohabiting, living together. Marriage, if pursued at all, is being delayed longer and longer, which decreases the range of fertility for childbearing. Cohabitation is linked to higher rates of domestic abuse, drug abuse, a lower likelihood of long-term relational success. I mean, these are not the kinds of stats we want for the next generation. Number eight, elementary school practices carry through to college. What we tolerate today, we will embrace tomorrow. And because we've tolerated this excessive sexual impropriety at the elementary and secondary levels, now it runs to the extreme in local colleges and universities to even tell you some of the things that are going on at some of the public colleges that have been going on. Listen, for a decade, this is not new, but some of the hyper-sexual cultural, you would be shocked. (laughs) It's more than I can even say on radio. But I've worked with college students for so long, and I can tell you, listen, they need intervention. They need coaching, guidance, positive role models in order to succeed in life. Even one of our campuses right here in San Diego was ranked by Business Insider as one of the most dangerous college campuses, the top 25, because of its interpersonal violence. I mean, the things that are going on are not promoting peace and harmony. Uh, if we believe that lie, it's definitely time for us to, w- to wake up. Number nine, the current sex ed culture is promoting an environment of hypocrisy. How can we as a culture insist on raking public officials through the coals for promiscuous behavior when in their own teenage years, and then at the same time promote these exact same behaviors in school and mass media? 
The current curriculum is teaching the youngest age groups to draw from this arsenal of fantasies provided by their educators. And like Hollywood, the public system has no anchor. It has no moral mooring on which to build its argument, which is why it's so incredibly ineffective at moral boundary setting. Parents have to be part of this process. In fact, There was an ongoing study at Harvard University called FINE, the Family Involved Network of Educators, for many years. And they showed over and over that the singular most important factor of a student's success from K to college is an involved parent. If the public system really wanted to impact soaring rates of STDs in our youngest population, they would partner with parents, not try to replace them. And remember, your rights end at the public school's front door. And number 10, parents have been so disempowered in the realm of influence in government schools. It's a key reason for the growth of home education, uh, which we've been talking about, obviously, for many weeks now. Uh, we said a couple weeks ago, Dr. Ray has has, has said that it's probably grown from two to maybe five million five million students. Uh, we've seen that incredible, incredible growth. Uh, but part of this reason is because modern schools have not listened to the needs, desires, goals of parents. They've thrust Huxley's brave new world upon us without our consent. Parents need to be aware. They need to be involved, making wise educational choices for the sake of the next generation. Let me put it this way, parents, if teachers are not listening to you, if the public sector is not representing the, quote, public, it was commissioned to serve, don't just sit back and let your kids be indoctrinated on your watch. You are the gatekeeper of your child's heart. In the state of California, you have the legal right to choose a better system for your child. You are free. Because of this declining morality, the academic underperformance in the traditional sector, which we will get to in a couple of shows down the road. We chose to homeschool our kids. As you know, we joined the ranks a decade and a half, two decades ago. And, you know, I watched as a college professor and now a college president as Ivy League universities, one after another, began recruiting homeschoolers because they saw the tremendous fruit, socio-academic fruit, the emotional maturity, the civic engagement. These are tangible offshoots of being trained up by a parent rather than a peer. Even in San Diego alone, maybe you just need to get your kids out and get in a private school. We've talked about some of the pros and cons, but at least it's a better step in the right direction. In San Diego County, there are 300 private schools that serve 20,000 students. Yes, I know it's expensive. Find a way. We pay a price to live set apart. And I've seen parent after parent being able to step into our homeschool support academy models and, and make it work. And God has met them. He's met them every step of the way. He's not limited by finding finances. His arm is not too short to save. He can help you and you have tremendous support around you. And of course, the public school is just one aspect of the social culture where reason and morality have been divorced from one another. But with over 57 mil- million kids enrolled in these systems across America, this is a vital conversation point. Remember our discussion on Hitler's youth program. Again, indoctrinating the young is is the way that a nation changes the future trajectory. Our nation's youth are sick. They're hurting. They're anxious. They're confused. We have higher rates of anxiety, depression, suicide ideation than we've ever seen before in the history of our culture, higher rates of atheism, which we've talked about on the show, the rampant STD rates that we talked about are symptoms of a bigger problem. And it's one that can never be solved by a hypocrisy-laden secular system that has absolved itself of any connection to moral absolutes. 
Proverbs 9.10 reminds us that the launching point of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Without this deference to moral authority, our wisdom will be nothing more than a wilting worldly shadow of the true original. One of the really beautiful things we're seeing in the parent-directed education movement and something that's really coming alive across the San Diego County, across the county of San Diego is Luke 117, this restoring of the hearts of parents and children together. As uh, Corey shared on a few weeks ago on her interview, parents are beginning to feel this relational shift, this thawing of the hearts that they didn't even know were frozen. We're seeing God turn hearts of stone into hearts of clay and literally heal attachments between parents and children. And dads are getting way more time now. Remember I told you before the average time a kid spent alone with his dad, average time across America was 15 minutes a day. And now dads are actually getting this time with their kids, this intentional quality time that is shaping the family. It's changing the trajectory of families, which is going to change the trajectory of our cities, our states, our nation. A family revival is literally happening in our midst. And this is a generation that desperately needs fathering. You know, Proverbs 19 says that when a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. This is such a vital verse for today. Remember, we said the most common reason Gen Zs don't believe in God is because they they don't understand his judgment. They falter because they think a good God would never allow consequences that sin brings. Proverbs tells us that folly is what actually brings these consequences. The the fool, Proverbs tells us, projects blame onto someone else. Here he rages against the Lord instead of taking responsibility for his own folly and its repercussions. These same patterns are evidenced in children who have not experienced godly discipline in the home. Parents, our children need to understand that their ideas have consequences, whether that's hypersexuality, whether that's bullying. They can learn even from childhood to take responsibility for their actions, teach them to ask for forgiveness when they've done wrong, to give generously out of their own well of forgiveness to those who wrong them. These are small steps in discipleship that will help turn a generation away from narcissism and blame and projection and back to personal responsibility. Parents, we can no longer afford to look the other way. It's time for us to speak up, to stand up for the sake of the next generation. And of course, this education crisis didn't take over overnight. It's been a a gradual decline that we need to step into to be the resource, to be the source, to be the answer. Hypersexuality is just one of the toxic traits being spewed out of the sewers of government indoctrination centers. Join us next week to hear more. If you're homeschooling for the first time, you can hear repost of my K-Praise radio show, Mindset Matters, on my weekly podcast, The Communication Architect. And be sure to check out what we're accomplishing through our partnerships with parents and the local church right here in San Diego. Visit us at awakenacademysd.com and cvcu.us. That's Chula Vista Christian University. And if you're a pastor in San Diego County, please DM me for help on getting your church active in the homeschool support realm. It's our responsibility as believers to make the needed sacrifices right now to rescue the next generation from the overt indoctrination of the government system. You can do this. See you next week. Thanks again for joining us here on The Communication Architect. If you have questions about today's episode or if there are topics you'd like to see us address, send your comments via Instagram to at Dr. Lisa Dunn or via email to contact at drlisadunn.com. That's D-R-L-I-S-A-D-U-N-N-E dot com. 
And remember, strategic communication will help you build greater emotional health and relational resilience. So don't miss the next episode. I'm Dr. Lisa Nunn, and I look forward to talking with you next time right here on The Communication Architect.